So one of the most like popular, seems like popular TV shows is like fixer-up shows, right? Where I think there's a show called Fixer Upper, right? And people take an old house or an old car or furniture and they take it something that was looks like a disaster and they turn it into something nice. They renovate it. I have some pictures for you. Look what they did with this old car. I'm not sure any of you car nuts would know what kind of car that is, but that's a disaster on the bottom there. <laughs> and now look what they did to it. And then there's another one too. I thought this before and after. Is that a Spitfire maybe? British Spitfire? Um, and then look at this farmhouse. The before and after of that. It needed a little TLC, right, on, <laughs> on the before. And then on the after, like, who wouldn't want to live there, right? I wouldn't want to cut the grass, but I definitely would want to live there. And then I thought this was cool, too. This old chair, rocking chair, got completely refurbished. And uh, Jesus said in Revelation 21, verse 5, he said something amazing. He said, behold, I'm making all things new. Everything, everything that seems so broken, he's making all things new. And you know what that includes? That includes you and me. It's us. He's making us new. Um, Jesus is making all things new in a past tense that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a new creation in Christ. The old is passed away and all things have been made new. Now, sometimes we don't always behave like new creations or think like new creations or, or act, but the fact is we are new creations in Christ. So in the present tense, he's also making things practically new in each one of our hearts and in our minds and our actions, our ability to love. And that's called sanctification. That's a theological word. We're justified because of our faith in Jesus alone based upon what he did. That's what makes us new. But we're becoming who we are positionally in Christ, practically in our day in and day out. And then in the future, Jesus calls it the renewal of all things, that there's a day coming when he comes back, there's going to be the resurrection of the dead. Everybody's going to get brand new bodies that don't break down or get old or tear muscles or, or get, you know, whatever. We're going to live in perfect bodies, and he's going to recreate the earth. In, in this earth, we're going to live on the earth with him forever and rule and reign with him. And the, the earth, can you imagine all the good things of this life with no sin, no sorrow, no shame, no death, no fighting, no wars. That day's coming. And so most of what we're talking about in this series called All Things New is going to be what's happening in the present tense. What is Jesus doing to make us more and more like him? And what we're going to talk about today is the renewing of our mind. And God wants you and I to have a renewed mind. He wants to change the way we think. When you think of your mind, it's more than your brain. That, that organ in between your ears is important, and, and one of the most amazing things that God's ever created is what happens inside our brains and our capacity and how it is the epicenter, you know, of who we are and, and uh, of who we are physically. But when you think of renewing your mind, think of renewing your thought life. Think of renewing what you think about. That's what he wants to change. Now, uh, whenever you read the Bible, 
All of the Bible is to get us to change our minds, to get us to change our thinking, to change the way we think about God, to change the way we think about ourselves, our purpose, life, the way we think about people, and we learn how to see life from his, his vantage point, to see life from his perspective. Um, when someone becomes a, a follower of Jesus, Jesus called that being born again, that spiritually we were dead, so to speak. We were unable to connect with God. And then the spirit comes inside and he does this work and he makes us alive and he makes us aware of what, who Jesus is, our need for him. That's what it means to be born again. And it, in 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says that though outwardly we're perishing, our outward person, just grab your hands, do something, touch your flesh, that is perishing. You, you realize that, right? The most fittest person in here or the youngest person in here all of us are breaking down. Some of us are more aware of that than others, <laughs> that the body is breaking down. I hurt my back picking up a towel the other day. And it's like, oh my gosh, I, this is real. And then it takes like nine months to heal. <laughs> what happened? I picked up a towel, man. It was traumatic. But Though our outward person is perishing, the good news is that scripture in 2 Corinthians 4.16 says our inward man, our inward person is being renewed day by day. So spiritually, we are being prepared for eternity. That body you're in right now is not going to heaven. Thank God, right? It's not going to heaven, but your soul goes to heaven. At the resurrection, we will get, we will get new bodies, and so part of that renewal that's happening every day is the renewal of this, our mind, the renewal of the thought life. It's so amazing how much our thought life plays into our behavior and into our actions. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, he says this, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Why is it so important to renew our minds? Why is it so important? Well, the first thing is this. My thoughts control my actions. Your thought life controls your behavior, good, bad, and indifferent. My thoughts control my behavior, good, bad, and indifferent. And sometimes I think... Um, do you ever wonder why you do the things you do when you know that you're a new creation? Anybody relate to that? You know you're a new creation. Why am I thinking these thoughts? Why am I behaving this way? Why am I so angry? Whatever. Why am I so fearful? Well, the truth is you can have a new heart without an unrenewed mind. And that's what happens to a lot of people. We all know people who have had this awakening in their heart for their, their need for Jesus and they love God and they want to obey God, but they find their behavior contradicting to that. You can have a new heart and have your heart awakened to God, but the thought life needs to change. When the thoughts change, that's when the behavior ultimately changes. Our, our, our thought life is it's the epicenter of our behavior. What you think about, good, bad, right, or wrong, is going to show up in your behavior. It says in Proverbs 23, 7, for as a person thinks in his heart, so they are. 
So what we think about is controls us. If you can remember this, I say this a lot, but it's true. Thoughts determine feelings. Feelings determines behavior. Thought life leads to my emotional life and my feelings, and then my feelings are going to dictate my behavior. So why is it important to renew our mind? Because our thought life really controls our, our actions. A lot of us in this room were taught things when we were little that weren't true. We were taught things about God that weren't true. You were taught things about yourself and life that weren't true. You were sent false messages that maybe you're a good for nothing. You're worthless. You don't matter. And the truth is, we're living that out as adults. We're living that out as we get older. We might not say it, we might not talk about it, but it shows up in our behavior. The second reason it's important to renew our mind is my mind is the battleground for sin. The, the, where, the, where the battle happens over sin is in between the ears and the thought life. There's a tug of war between the flesh, this, the flesh is fallen, right? The flesh wants to do what it wants to do. Your sinful nature that we inherited uh, from Adam, that, that sinful nature wants to be proud, angry, selfish, desires out of control. But then we have the spirit of God living inside of us and our spirits have been awakened. So there's this tug of war that happens between the flesh and the spirit all the time. We're fully aware of that. We need to be aware of that. Well, Paul's, Paul puts it this way, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, he says, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is, that is at war with my mind. The power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. In this life, we are still uh, very, very, very capable to sin, right? And that's what theologians call remaining sin. So that part of you that gets made brand new when you trust Jesus is your spirit, your soul, you're a new creation, you're born from above. But this flesh still carries around the ability to sin. And so today, if, if you struggle with habitual sin, if you struggle with a habit that, that you just can't seem to break, listen, the battle is in your mind. The battle is in what we think about the struggle that we find ourselves in. And then when we learn how to renew our thought life, that's when we have victory. And then thirdly, uh, the reason it's important to, to renew our minds is my thoughts determine my peace and joy. To what level I'm going to have peace and joy is the level of my thought life. Jesus made some amazing promises. And one of the most amazing promises to me that he made was when he told his disciples, he said, my peace, I leave with you. He said, peace, not like the world gives, but my peace I give to you. You know what worldly peace is? I'm at peace when my circumstances are good. I'm at peace when life 
goes good. I'm, I'm at peace when my prayers get answered the way I want them to go or people cooperate with me. That brings peace, right? And when, when life's not cooperating, people aren't cooperating, life brings difficult circumstances that robs our peace. But Jesus said that we can have his peace and joy in spite of how we feel and in spite of what's going on around us. I've had a struggle with anxiety all my life. And it wasn't until I got older that I really realized what it was and how it kind of comes and goes over, over certain things. Anybody that has ever struggled with anxiety, you're having some compassion on me because you know exactly what that is. Sometimes you just can't control what you get anxious over. And so I've had to learn that, you know, worrying doesn't do anything. Worrying, Jesus said, who by worrying can add one hour to your life? It just doesn't work. And so overcoming anxiety and worries in my thought life is going to lead to a life of peace and joy. Paul, the apostle again, says in Romans 8, 6, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. A renewed thought life, thinking the right thoughts, thinking God's way of of how he wants us to see life that will lead to a life of peace. So how do we do this? How do we do that? Sounds great, right? How do, do we actually renew our thought life? Some of us in this room, you probably feel like that old farmhouse or that old car, abandoned car. You think, that's my thought life. It's beat up. It's rusty. It feels it's in need of serious transformation. I've got good news for you. The next 12 minutes that I talk to you, If you will apply what I'm going to share with you this morning, you will see change in your life. I promise you. God promises you. It's his word. He's the one who made the promises. If you will do these three choices, if you will make these three choices, if you will do these three disciplines, God's going to renew your mind. The first thing is this. I need to fill my mind with God's word. There's no way around that. We need to fill our mind with God's promises, with his truth, with who he is, right? We need to know who he is. We need to know who we are. Jesus said that man, people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from from the mouth of God. So the same way physically, we need physical nutrition. We need nutrients. We need food in order to live. Jesus said, we need spiritual food. We need to have our spirits nourished with the word of God. And when when the word of God goes into our mind, it cleanses our thoughts, makes us think right, makes us think right about him and about ourselves and about one another. And so we need to learn how to, to fill our minds with his word. The same way if you, if you eat bad food, you're going to have bad health. How many have figured that out? <laughs> Twinkies sure do taste good. Snickers are awesome. Cake, pie, whatever, man, greasy food. But if that's what you live on, it's going to show up in your health. But if you eat good food, sometimes that doesn't taste good or you discipline yourself to eat good food, that leads to good health. That's going to lead to, to proper health. Apply that spiritually to, to our lives. If what, what's going into my mind is going to show up in my behavior, there's no way around that. 
Whatever goes into my mind is going to show up in my behavior, good or bad, right or wrong. It's going to show up in our behavior. I can tell personally when uh, I haven't been in the, the Word or been filling my mind with the Word. And you might think, well, you preach. Don't you, aren't you always reading the Bible? Pray for me and pray for anybody that teaches the Word of God in all seriousness that this would not be my relationship with God. That my relationship, that, that whatever I'm teaching or preaching would come out of my own devotional life to the Lord. Pray for me. That I need that. Because I never want ministry to be my, my relationship with Jesus. And you, you, need, you, need, you need something better than, than just me trying to throw together a sermon. We need to hear from God. And so um, I can tell, though, when I haven't been in his word devotionally, two things happen. My heart gets colder and my mind gets distracted. How many can relate to that? When you're not feeding yourself the word of God, your heart gets a little colder. You're, you get angry quicker. You got a shorter fuse. You're tempted to sin more. You give in to, to temptation more. And you're just distracted. But God's word, when we fill our mind with his word, he has a way of just making us undistractive and, and giving us the right priorities in our life. So feed your mind the word of God. Make that choice. Make that discipline. Say, you know what? I am going to get in the word of God every day. I'm going to listen to it on the way to work. We have so much access to the Bible, like you have no idea, apps and this and that. I mean, at minimal, listen to the Word of God. If you're new to reading the Bible and you've never maybe read the Bible, just start in the Gospels. Start in the book of Matthew and read through the first four books of the New Testament and get to know Jesus. But begin to feed yourself the Word of God. Fill your mind. Second thing, second choice Second discipline is I need to free my mind from destructive thoughts. Am I the only one that gets destructive thoughts in my mind, or do you get those too? Just me, thank you. Enough said, let's go home. Um, I was thinking about this on this point. How, how, do you, how do you fight a battle in a war that's been won, Right? Jesus won the victory over sin, death, and the devil by his death on the cross, his perfect life, his death on the cross, and his resurrection. The, the war is over. We're fighting a battle in a war that has been won. So at the end of World War I, at the end of World War II, you know, when the Allied forces were declared victorious, um, there were still battles that happened by people who didn't know that the war necessarily was over or by people who were rebelling and saying, we're not giving up. Well, the same is true spiritually speaking. We have defeated foes, but they're not going out without, you know, some sort of fight, some sort of battle that, that, that we have to fight. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That's a, that's a war term. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
you've maybe heard the term spiritual warfare before. Um, spiritual warfare is a real thing. I mean, there are powers and principalities and, and th- spiritual things that we can't see with our physical eye, but they're there. And there's a war that's going on that we don't always see. Now, Jesus has, has a, there's a battle going on. Jesus has won that war, but the battle goes on. Where does it happen? It happens in three places. It happens with our old nature or this flesh that wants to do its own thing, wants to be selfish, wants to be proud, wants to have its way. Um, it happens in the second level with the devil and the demons. There is a spiritual battle with the devil. Now, he's defeated, but he's still trying. He hates God, and he's still trying to hurt God by hurting God's kids. That's, that's why he does what he does. And so he does his war battle with us by the little lies that he speaks. He's a deceiver. He's an accuser. When you hear accusing thoughts towards God, when you hear God doesn't love you, if God was really good, that wouldn't happen in your life. He accuses God before us daily. He's also accusing you before you too. Oh, I thought you were a Christian. Oh, good Christians don't fill in the blank. So when you hear that accusing voice, that's, that's the devil. We got to be aware of his schemes. And then the third place that that warfare happens is with worldly values. You know, we we say the the, the flesh, the devil, and the world, not the people of the world. God loves the people of the world. But this world has values that are not kingdom values. The values of the world are materialism, selfishness, right? Pride. That's not the values of the kingdom of God. The values of the kingdom of God are humility, (laughs) generosity, right? And, and servanthood. So how do we do this battle and free our mind from those things that can cause destructive thoughts? Well, first, with our old nature, the Apostle Paul, in several of his letters, puts it this way. He says, you got to take off the old, like taking off this shirt and laying it down and put on the new. Take off the dirty shirt, put on the clean shirt. And that's the way, the picture that he presents. Take off your old nature with pride, selfishness, materialism, greed. Put on the new with Jesus and humility and generosity and thankfulness. And then in our warfare, our battle with the devil, you are never taught in the Bible to argue with the devil. You'll never find a verse that says, argue with the devil. No, we're told in the book of James to resist the devil and he'll flee from you. When he comes with his deceptions, when he comes with his accusations, if, if, if somebody was to try to push me right now and I get a good base, I'm, I'm resisting, right? That's what we're told to do. Resist him, and he'll flee from you. Sometimes we're not very good at resisting. We cave too quick, we, and we resist the devil through worship and prayer and the promises of God. And then how do we battle the destructive thoughts of the world, the worldly values that are pushed on us every day. 1 John 2, 16 says, do not love the world or the things of the world. The lust of the flesh, that's pretty obvious, right? The lust of the eyes, it's got to have more, 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 and the pride of life. The pride of life, one, I think the NIV says, the boasting of what we have and what we do. 
We, we need to exchange those values for kingdom values. So what does this mean here in this verse, that we have divine power to demolish strongholds? What is a stronghold? It is a military term. If you can think of a stronghold is where, you know, in military, somebody hunkers down, bunkers down, right? Maybe it's a fortress of some sort, but they're, they're barricaded so that the enemy can't get in. And so a stronghold, in this sense of what Paul's talking about, is in our mind. And a stronghold is a lie that you believe. It's a lie that I believe. And when that stronghold gets in there, it's hard to break. And we need to know that we have divine power to break those strongholds of our minds. Your thought life can contain a stronghold that is a lie that you believe about God, a lie you believe about yourself, a lie you believe about your purpose or whatever. I mean, it's pretty obvious. False value system is going to be a stronghold in my mind. If I think the point of life is to just have more, 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 and materialism and this and that and this and that, I'm going to have a, a stronghold in my mind. A false identity can be a stronghold in our minds, and it is. Let's face facts. You and I believe things about ourselves because of something somebody said to you or you didn't get somebody's approval, or somebody didn't like you, or somebody sent you a message that you, were, you, you weren't lovable. And then that stronghold gets into our mind, and you're not thinking right about God. And that stronghold gives the enemy a foothold into our life when we get these false identities. So what we need to do, and we free, how we free our mind from destructive thoughts is do exactly what he says to do. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Take every thought and make it obedient. How do, we, how do we bring every thought under the lordship of Jesus? Let me give you an example. Let's say I hear this thought in my mind. Scott, you're worthless. No, nobody loves you. You're, you're worthless. Maybe that was a message spoken to me when I was little. I'm giving you an example that didn't really happen. I had great parents. Um, but, but you hear that thought, you're worthless. What do I do with that? If I sit there and entertain that thought that I'm worthless, it becomes a stronghold. And it's going to show up in my behavior. It's going to show up in how I treat people. It's going to show up in codependency. It's going to show up in many different areas of my life. So how do I free my mind from that destructive thought that I'm worthless? Let me give you an example. I might be very unworthy, but I'm not worthless. Because all I got to do is look at Jesus Christ who came and lived for me and he died for me and he rose again and he's coming back for me again one day. That means I'm worth something to the one that matters the most. You're worth something to Jesus or he wouldn't have come and died for you. So today, if your battle is that you feel worthless, you're not. Take that thought captive and make it obedient to the truth of who Jesus is. This is not some thing where we yell at the devil and we do this and we do that and say the right formula. It's simply just getting the truth into our minds, freeing our minds from those destructive thoughts. And thirdly, make this choice. So fill your mind with the word of God, <clears throat> free your mind from destructive thoughts, 
and then learn to focus on the right things. We got to learn to focus on the right things. Paul in Philippians 4.8, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I would summarize that passage with three things. First of all, think about Jesus. Think about Jesus all day long. Think about how amazing he is. He is noble. He is true. He is right. He is pure. He is lovely and admirable. Think about how much he loves you. Guys, he loves us. That has to get into my mind so that it's in my heart so that it becomes who I am. There was a a story in one of my favorite books I've ever read called The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. And he tells a story about his, his buddy who was in seminary. When he was in seminary, he used to go to this kind of nursing home where people were pretty bad off at the end of their life and um, very sick and, and unable to take care of themselves. And he tells a story about a lady named Mabel. Anybody ever heard of Mabel? This is the most amazing Email me and I'll, I'll get you a copy of the actual story. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this guy met Mabel one day and he saw her down the hallway and he said that, that she just looked horrible. Cancer had eaten away at her face. She drooled. She was blind. She was, you know, in a wheelchair, unable to take care of herself at all. He went over and he started talking to her and they, they struck up a friendship. And he said he would go see her. And he learned so much about life from Mabel, the person that you think, man, she's just suffering. She's at the end of her life suffering. And he asked her one day, he said, Mabel, what do you think about during the day? She said, oh, I think about Jesus. I think about how good he's been to me. I think about how good he is to me every day. I mean, she's suffering big time. And she said, and she just said, oh, he loves me. And I think about him daily. Listen, that's a mind that's been renewed. It's not based on all the outward stuff, but it's a mind that has said, I trust him. Another thing that I think summarizes this passage that I just read from Philippians 4.8 is uh, thinking of others first. When you want to think right, when you want to focus on the right things, you got to think of, of other people first. I hear people say this often, and I don't like it. I, don't, I just need to do what's best for me. No, you don't. Now, often in codependent relationships, something like that, yeah, I get it. Do what's best for you. But the other 99% of the time, it's not do what's best for you, it's Let's do what's best for everybody. Let's do what's best for others. Philippians 2.4 says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Man, focus your thoughts when you wake up in the morning on how you can make life better for others. Those of you that are married in this room, can you imagine the type of marriages that we would have if we woke up and we said, God, how can I make life better for my spouse today? 
You're going to have a good marriage if both are doing that. You wake up, God, how can I make life better for my kids? God, how can I make life better for my parents? God, how can I make life better for my friends? How can I make life better for the people of my church? How can I make life better for the community around me? Your thought life is going to be right, and your thoughts are going to be fixed on what's noble and true and right and good. And then lastly, think about eternity. I don't think we think about eternity often enough. My mom went to go be with Jesus a year and a half ago. And I think about her often. And it's a good, it's a good sadness, I guess, you know. It's, I know she's with Jesus. She's not suffering. My nephew said something at her funeral that I'll, I'll never forget. He said, you know, if Nana was in Hawaii sitting on the beach in perfect weather having a pina colada, would, would we feel bad for her? <laughs> like, no. We'd be, we'd be jealous. We'd be envious. Well, she's in some place that's 10,000 times better than Hawaii ever could be. My mom's been in the presence of the Lord and waiting for the resurrection. She's waiting for us. And it says in Colossians, it says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. You know what heaven is not? Heaven is not floating around with a harp in your hand. That's silly, right? I, I don't know what the current heaven is exactly like. I know it's amazing because you, you're within the presence of Jesus. What does a soul look like? I don't know. But I know in the temporary heaven, you go to be with Jesus. And then when he comes back again and the resurrection of the dead happens, we're going to see the recreation of the earth in our new bodies. And we're going to live, go read Revelation 21, we're going to live with, in, with him on this earth and rule and reign for all eternity in the presence of the perfect one, where there's no sin, no shame, no sorrow, no death. Excited for that. We should think about that often. If you think about eternity, it will change your thought life. It'll change your behavior. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, Quoting Isaiah, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has ever conceived what God has prepared for those who are waiting for him. We can't even fathom. It's so good. Like think, think of the best thing you can think that this life offers and times it by infinity. Because it's God and we'll be face to face with him. So no matter how bad life can get Jesus said in this life you're going to have trials and sorrows of many kind but take courage I've overcome and we're waiting for the overcomer I just have a burden on my heart this morning that there's some of you this, this morning that you don't know this you haven't put your trust in the one who created you and today's the day that you say yes to him he loved you so much he created you he redeemed you. He's sustaining you. Say yes to Jesus. Say today, Lord Jesus, I'm trusting you. I give you my sin. I don't want to do life on my own. I give it over to you. I want to be your disciple. I want to follow you. I want to do life the way you want me to. Say yes to him today. Whoever you are, he's tugging at your heart. I think he also wants us as a family, as a community, 
to think rightly about things, about how we think about him, how we think about one another, and how we think about people outside. He doesn't want us to be judgmental. He wants us to be compassionate, compassionate to one another and compassionate to the world around us. Will you stand with me? I would apologize for being so weepy, but I'm not apologetic. It just is what it is. Um, those three things, fill in your mind with the word of God. Who's going to say yes to that? I'm going to fill my mind with the word of God. Give yourself in your phone or your calendar a daily reminder if you need it. First thing, I'm going to get in the word of God. Put that in your calendar. Who else is committed to freeing our minds from destructive thoughts? I'm committed to that. I get thoughts. I want to be free from those. I want to take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus. Then who else is with me that we're going to be committed to be focused on the right things? Will you commit to those three things? Maybe put all three in your phone. It's a commitment to fill your mind with the Word of God in the morning. At noon, you're going to say, Lord, uh, free me from destructive thoughts that have tried to come into my mind today. And then before you go to bed, think about Jesus. Think about others. And think about eternity. And watch how your mind will be renewed. Lord, seal your word in our hearts and the work that you're doing by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.